Hi, and welcome to All Things Cozy with Matt and Jillian. We are a bi-weekly podcast about everything that is warm, soft, and comforting. This week, we're channel surfing until we find the coziest new TV series of 2022. And we mean brand new series, not a new season of a pre-existing show. We sampled episodes of Abbott Elementary, How I Met Your Father, The After Party, and The Woman in the House Across the Street from the Girl in the Window to report back to you which new show will bring the most coziness to your TV screen. But first, it's Cozy in the News. Jillian, what's coming across our desk today? I thought I would speak to my own strength, which is celebrity news. And a very cozy feud, at least in my opinion, between some celebrity chefs and lifestyle mavens. This first all started in the beginning of the new year when Reese Witherspoon posted her tips for 2022, which included drinking a big glass of water, getting outdoor light in the morning to at least 10 minutes, um, spending 30 to 60 minutes reading without a distraction, and then getting in bed by 10 p.m. So very Reese Witherspoon-y <laughs> tips. And so Ina Garden responded, and she said, LOL, my formula is easier to follow, drink more large cosmos, stay up late, with watching addictive streaming series, stay in bed in the morning, playing Sudoku, instead of reading a good book, and spend more time, parentheses, safely with the people you love. So if you're familiar with mental health speak, there's this phrase called um, lovingly detaching. And so Ina basically told Reese to lovingly show where the sun don't shine. <laughs> um, and it was a very like funny, cute, playful thing. So cut to a few weeks later, Martha Stewart does an interview with People, and she basically shaded Ina, saying that she shouldn't be encouraging people to become alcoholics or drink too much during the pandemic. And it's a very Martha Stewart-y kind of quote. And it was just like a very, very extra because, you know, she always makes these pot jokes and hang out with Snoop. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Considering she's token up with Snoop Dogg every other day. Yeah, and it's like if someone gave an interview or Ina gave an interview and said, um, you're ruining America's youth, you know, yeah. with all your, it's like just a very bad faith. When clearly it's all tongue in cheek. Yeah, very all tongue in cheek. So then just this week, <laughs> the drama continues. It's been going on for almost a month now. And so celebrity chef Alex uh, Gornchelli asked their Instagram followers to comment on the controversy, posting Martha Shades Ina's Cosmos. Thoughts? P.S. Love them both. And I asked the question in all good fun. And so now the pioneer woman, Reed Drummond, gets in and she responds, they can both do no wrong. That's my answer. <laughs> so it's just like the most funny celebrity feud in, in my estimation because it involves all these random celebrity Chefs that are also very cozy, uh, but it's also funny to me this isn't going on for a full full on month. Yeah, it's actually the perfect celebrity quote feud for everybody because it's so gentle, so gentle, and gets your name out there, people talking about you, but you're not really feuding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're not really feuding. So I say yeah. that I think the only feud that's existing, obviously, is between Ina and Martha, and I don't think Ina's even involved in this. No, she I mean, not at all. I really actually am still quite in love with Ina Garten and her advice because it's real. <laughs> yeah. And it's a little more down to earth. And I think that's not to say that Reese Witherspoon's tips aren't great. 
Yeah, you should drink water and get sunlight. That's yeah. speaking from a vitamin deficient person in Los Angeles. Get the sunlight. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually kind of an accomplishment, like that we can be vitamin D deficient in LA. I think that really speaks to our commitment to being indoor kids. Yeah, or speaks to something else <laughs> a little too dark. But yeah, <laughs> so no, but yeah, I, I I don't know. It's it's all kind of silly and fun, and, and this is definitely uh, a very cozy celebrity feud. Yes, and I will round it up. I know I'm hogging the news, but it was Ina's birthday on February second, and she had a really cute cooking tip that she just posted, which is to make um, heart shaped and star shaped croutons. So pus. Pus. Puff pastry. <laughs> Not pus. Puff, puff pastry. Puff pastry. Croutons. <laughs> Go to her Instagram. We're not following her, which is honestly a crime. So now we follow her on Instagram, but very cozy tips. So if you want the puff pastry croutons shaped like hearts, that'd be very cute to put in a soup for Valentine's Day. That's it for me. <laughs> uh, my husband and I love our Valentine's Day soups together. <laughs> Our next story comes from Australia, where a ginger cat dubbed the Pirate Cat of Fernie Hills brought Mm -hmm. joy to the Brisbane suburb by bringing gifts of old socks, stuffed animals, gloves, and more to the yards of his neighbors. One couple was able to fill an entire table with the haul they got from this cat, which they posted to Facebook and discovered the cat was an icon in the community and had done the same for nearly every other neighbor. When the pirate cat's original owners felt they could no longer keep him safely, I guess him sneaking out every day to steal and rearrange stuff wasn't really part of their plan for this cat. He was adopted by a community member who renamed him Kylo, yes, after the Star Wars villain. It's apparently the only name he would respond to. (laughs) It's adorable. And runs his Instagram account, at PirateKittyKylo. This is so, so cute. I'm looking at his Instagram right now, and he dresses up in pirate garb, (laughs) which is really cute. Kylo is the pirate cat of Fernie Hills. What I love about the story, there are two things I I thought were super cozy about it. One was I love that cat behavior that some cats exhibit way more than others of sharing their quote unquote kill with the person they love. (laughs) Yeah. And I think for some cats, any kind of toy they find, they're happy to like drop that off at the feet of their human some some cats seem to be on overdrive with that. And I've seen other cats like on the internet where like all they do all day is pick up stuff, their toys, and then like bring it to their owner and then go back and pick something else and bring it back to their owner. So it's a really funny, cute behavior. On top of that, I just love that the whole community came together over this cat's kind of kleptomania. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it reminds me just of in our area of LA, we have several celebrity cats. I love your Yeah, who are the the talk of the town on Nextdoor and on Facebook because everyone just loves to say hello to these cats and the cats are so friendly and everyone has their own story about like seeing this cat. And one of them actually recently was lost in our area and quickly found because we all were on the case (laughs) and knew what we were looking for because we all knew that cat because we saw him every day. So. I just I like I like that uh, shared community cat aspect of it, and but I'm also happy to know that Kylo now has a loving home and future as an indoor cat. Everything about this story is super cozy, and you're right that everyone has a neighborhood cat that they love dearly and are all watching out for because next door can be a hellish place, but the one thing it's good for is finding those cats. That's right. 
Oh, Kylo. I will now be following Kylo, so he has an extra follower. (laughs) Jillian and I were talking about all the new TV that's coming out in 2022. We were trying to figure out ourselves, like in sifting through the noise, which of these shows is the coziest and which will actually bring you comfort when you watch it. Now, there are a lot of returning shows that do that, but what are those brand new series that are going to be the classics, the go-tos for us moving forward into the future? So we decided to do a little sleuthing ourselves and dive into four new shows that just came out in January. Again, that's Abbott Elementary, How I Met Your Father, The After Party, and The Woman in the House Across the Street from the Girl in the Window. <laughs> we each watched the pilot episode of all those shows, or more, depending on you know how, how into it we got. And we're going to report back to you, our listener, to let you know what we thought were the coziest picks and really worth your time to tune into because there's a lot of stuff to watch these days and we really want to make sure that you know the coziest new stuff that's out there in TV land. Let's first start with a brand new sitcom called Abbott Elementary. Jillian, tell us what Abbott Elementary is all about. Mockumentary Abbott Elementary was written and executive produced by Quinta Bronson and it premiered on December 7th, 2021 on ABC. So it's not a 2022 show, but it's close enough. (laughs) It spiritually is. Yes, we're going to count that. We ushered it in. Uh, Bronson is also the show's lead protagonist, playing an idealistic teacher, Janine Teagues, in an underfunded Philadelphia-area public school. The pilot episode quickly reveals Janine and her other young colleague, Jacob Hill, played by Chris Perfetti, are the only other new teachers left standing, which means the remaining comrades are their two veteran teachers, Barbara Howard, played by Cheryl Lee Ralph, and Melissa Shemeni, <laughs> Lisa Ann Walter, who are quick to make the youngins the butt of their jokes. However, what both pairs can unite on are their feelings toward the incompetent, hysterically ridiculous principal, Ava Coleman, played by Janelle James, who seems intent on stymieing the group at every turn. Holding up a mirror to all the absurdity is new substitute teacher Gregory Eddy, played by Tyler James Williams, who soon develops a bomb with Janine. The show will make you want to be in session school. Sorry, the show. Let me try that again. This show will make you want school to be in session all year long. But dum dum. <laughs> yeah, this show really resonates with actual teachers. I know because I, I work in a school and my colleagues have been constantly recommending it to me since it started airing. After I watched it, I get it totally. This is the first show that really captures what it feels like to be a passionate teacher in an under-resourced school. But I think even if you're not a teacher, you'll enjoy the cast, which is a lovable band of well-meaning people with not, often not well-implemented ideas. It reminds me of Parks and Rec in the way that it highlights the goodness of people, even the ones that might seem grumpy or egotistical at first. Quinta Brunson's Janine in in particular is quite the Leslie Nope, I think. Mm -hmm. But if I had to pick a favorite, it would have to be Cheryl Lee Ralph's poised and severe church lady, Barbara Howard, who she is that teacher who can get her kids in a single file line with one look. (laughs) And everyone knows that that teacher, even if you weren't a teacher yourself. I mean, I... I immediately thought of the colleague I used to have. I'm like, oh, yep, I I see. It's so so true to life. And what's also heartening is it's clear that Janine is unsure of her own myth, which is a sentiment I think many can relate to. And each episode starts with a heap of idealism, a period of reasonable self-doubt, and then a satisfying merging of the two. Every episode makes me feel so happy and fulfilled, just rooting for Janine as well as wanting more of the other cast members. And what's great about this is that every player 
in the school is funny and charming in their own unique way, which I don't think we've seen with an ensemble show in a very long time. And I agree that it has the Parks and Rec flow of it, but also the office. And I don't want to spoil anything, but there's a plot line that, a very lovable plot line that mirrors um, one in the office. So it has a nice uh, merging of those two shows, I think, with a lot more heart. Yeah. I also love how it handles the kids in Mm -hmm. the show, because obviously we're in an elementary school and we're surrounded by little kids this entire show. And and from a filmmaking perspective, I'm in awe of this set that they were able to, like, maintain order. (laughs) And they're not just props. They're not. No, absolutely not. And I think when they do involve them, it's with so much heart. Mm -hmm. These kids are so adorable. The show really centers on the adults and their relationships. And it doesn't exploit the kids at all. Like they, when they come in, it's authentic. It's really adding to the energy of working in elementary school, but you're never laughing at the kids or, you know, they're never like the butt of the joke at all, even remotely. Like this is a really thoughtfully made show that loves its setting and its characters just as much as those characters love their students. Yeah. And eventually some of the students have their own storylines, which is Mm -hmm. really special too. I loved it. I, I tune in every week. Same. This is a, this is going to be on rotation for me. Period. This is like this is a show I watch now. Highly recommend it. Yeah, and I'm so happy it's getting a ton of buzz. I didn't know that over the summer they had actually released the pilot er, early uh, as, a, as a preview, I guess, to get people excited about, and it flew under the radar. And now everyone's a, a buzz, which is amazing and great. And I think it's going to be around for a really long time. I agree. Yeah, get on this early because you'll you'll want to. Keep up with it. It's a really enjoyable, good-hearted, fun show. Yeah. The next show that we sampled to talk about today is The After Party, which is on Apple TV+. Plus. So this show, The After Party, it premiered on January 28th, and it follows Detective Danner, played by Tiffany Haddish, as she works to discover who killed the Justin Bieber-esque pop star <laughs> Xavier, <laughs> played very perfectly annoyingly by Dave Franco. At the after party he was hosting of his 15-year high school reunion. When she comes in, she wants to, as she puts it, watch the, quote, mind movie of each of Xavier's former classmates. And that's exactly what we are treated to as viewers. For example, Indigo's version of events, Indigo's played by Genevieve Angelson. Her version of events plays like a black and white art film. The character Anique, played by Sam Richardson, his stories take the form of a romantic comedy and in the second episode, Brett, who's played by Ike Barinholtz, tells his tale, casting himself in the role of the action star. So you get it, right? So whenever we're hearing the perspective of these characters, we're put into a new Mulder genre based on who they are as a character. While Detective Danner enjoys her trips to the theater of the mind, Anique worries she has already falsely pegged him as the murderer and does some investigating of his own. As show creator Christopher Miller put it, the point of the show is that we see things through our own lenses. But can Detective Danner and Anique find the truth through all the spin. What did you think of the after party, Jillian? I have to preface this by saying it's PG-13 cozy. Yes. So, yeah, yeah. it's a it's little bit, um, has a, some bite to it, but I thought it was so engaging, funny, and also extremely sweet. I love the dynamic between Zoe and Sam, and I ended up watching more than just one pilot episode. I loved, like you said, the storytelling perspective of every character has their own unique take, and so you revisit the party through their eyes each time. And so that was so fun. I watched all three episodes that are out right now. 
I love the mystery angle too. It's like a, a murder mystery format. And I also really love Dave Franco's perfectly unhinged, so unhinged uh, take on Justin Bieber. And I'm not too familiar with Dave Franco's work, but he he nailed this. Um, and I love seeing some familiar faces. I love Ben Schwartz. Um, he was on Parks and Rec. So I, I loved it. Loved it. This show is extremely funny, and it's anchored by a cast of comedy heavy hitters. Like you're saying, like Dave Franco and Tiffany Haddish, all these people are just like bringing their A-game in this ensemble cast. So you're definitely getting the best in the biz when it comes to Mm -hmm. comedy acting. But I agree with you. I just love the concept of having each character express their own point of view through a specific movie genre. That's so clever. And it keeps every episode feeling fresh. Yeah. Thinking about like what's cozy on TV these days, I really feel like this actually captured obviously not identically to like a cozy mystery where they're, you know, like shows like Murder, She Wrote are very gentle in their way. But I do think it shares some DNA with cozy mysteries insofar as it starts with a murder, but it really becomes about the characters and their relationships. And so I, I really loved that exploration of the inner workings of those characters. And that kept me feeling cozy and engaged, uh, through the episodes I watched. What also I find cozy is that it's something new to enjoy and get excited about because we're really in this age of reboots, 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 and there's nothing that I find, per, you know, in my own opinion, too inspiring these days. And this is this fat made me find that old excitement I yeah that I kind of lost with TV. Absolutely, I didn't look at my phone at all. Same. I was watching the show. I was really invested in in what I was seeing. And it's genuinely funny. It's a hilarious show. Like I, I, I didn't want to miss any jokes. Yeah. This is absolutely a keeper for me. I'm so glad that Jillian had recommended this, recommended this to me and suggested we watch it for this episode. And I'm so grateful for that because I think it's definitely going to be an all-star for the year. Definitely. So kick it off with the next show. Yeah, let's do it. So this, we watched how I met your father and I had never seen How I Met Your Mother. And so I watched it after How I Met Your Father. So How I Met Your Father premiered January 18th, 2022 on Hulu, eight years after How I Met Your Mother's iconic final episode. The show opens with Kim Cattrall, an older version of the lead character, Sophie, whose younger self is played by Hilary Duff. The older Sophie is talking to her sweet yet impatient son over the phone, and his face doesn't appear on screen, which is actually a reverse from the original. In the original, you hear but never see the older Ted, which is voiced by the late Bob Saget, while his two kids appear sitting on a couch. But the song ultimately remains the same, and just like the original, soon the older and wine-happy Sophie is regaling her son with the story of, you guessed it, how she met his father. The screen then cuts to a young Sophie riding in the back of an Uber, driven by Jesse, played by Chris Lowell, with Jesse's roommate Sid, Siraj Sharma, riding in the passenger seat on her way to meet a Tinder date. Just like the original, the pilot is filled with many twists and turns throughout the night, and along the way we meet the other characters, including Sophie's roommate, Valentina, played by Francia Reza, Valentina's new love interest, Charlie, played by Tim Ainsley, and Charlie's sister, Ellen, played by Tian Tran. The episode ends with a satisfied older Sophie teasing more of the love story to her politely impatient son. So Matt, what do you think? I think this was a very charming cast. There's something so magnetic about Hilary Duff <laughs> and the other members of the cast are ext- like, I think in particular, I think Chris Lowell, who I loved from glow and I really loved actually Siraj Sharma as Sid. 
I think I think both those guys brought like a really lovable energy to the show. Really chief among them, there's something just so Hillary Duff just has it. That kind of factor of like I just want to watch Hillary Duff fold laundry. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> And so I think the cast is holding down the show in terms of like, yeah, I'm tuning in just because I, I kind of just like the general vibe. And it kind of, to me, has that soothing, um, you know, a sitcom rerun is on thing going on where like, I just, I liked having it on in the background, even as after I watched the, the pilot episode. Overall, I have to be honest and say, I didn't find it be particularly funny or pull me in to, to like want to find out more about mm-hmm you know, how they met their father. (laughs) (laughs) So I think it has a little bit of work to do. Obviously, new shows have this issue sometimes where they haven't quite found their cadence or footing. And I kind of feel like How I Met Your Father hasn't quite hit its stride yet. But I do think it has some encouraging ingredients in the show that could uh, let it arrive there. Yeah, I agree on all the points about the cast, especially Hilary Duff. She's a TV queen. She just came off younger. And she was actually hesitant to do the show because she was burned by the Lizzie McGuire reboot. And so she said, no more reboots after this. I'm done. But so that she read the script and she really fell in love with it and wanted to give it a, a shot. And it's funny that she was drawn to the script because I find that to be the weakest point. But I love I love the, I love her. I love the cast. I also agree. Chris Lowell, he's just so lovely. And I believe also eventually we're going to see that actor from Drake and Josh and he's actually very charming oh, yeah. as well. So a lot of a lot of charming actors. And also, if you loved the original, it has so many fun Easter egg like nods um, to to that. So I met your mother from the apartment to her riding in an Uber on the first episode because in the original they're riding in a cab. Just a lot of crossover things that are fun, but it's not the same show. So if you're looking yeah. for the same show, you will be disappointed. And I think that Hilary Duff and uh, Chris Lowell do have have the ability to have that chemistry that mm-hmm. Kobe Smulders and Josh Radner have. But I, when I was watching How I Met Your Mother, I was like, oh, wow, this is actually very um, sweet show to, like you said, watch in the b- background and not you know, considering Neil Patrick Harris's character, who's just so frustrating and annoying. But right. uh, I loved the the storytelling aspect I think is so so fun it's just you never know what turn will lead to another character or or twist and and I think that's so true to life that you know life is more so the sum of many small decisions which I think is really fun it's almost like choose your own adventure but we're not choosing the writers are and it's funny to see that funny but interesting to see where where, where they're gonna take us yeah I was talking to some friends who did love the original show and they did express some frustration that in the original, like you, you're wondering the whole time, right? Like who is, who is the mother (laughs) that he's meeting? Like it could have been off screen when that interaction happened versus what they do in the first episode. And it could just be a misdirect, but when Kim Cattrall is saying, and that's the night I met your father. And then they, do this kind of like flash of all the male faces. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. That some people are a little bit like, well, did you just kind of give me a very narrow list of suspects that isn't quite as engaging Ask. or open yeah. as the original? But it could be a misdirect and it could be, you know, they could be that they like, oh yeah, there was like a scene, you know, behind the bar that happened that we didn't see in the episode or there's another guy. So I don't think it's like necessarily like a open and shut thing, but... Or maybe the limitations makes it more interesting because you have your suspects and you're kind of 
bouncing between the the potential fathers. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think that was one thing I heard from a viewer of the show that they were like, eh, that they kind of maybe box themselves into that kind of presentation. Yeah, I didn't think about that. I was also surprised with how I met your mother. And I, I think it's, I can speak openly about it now. It's been off the air for a while. Uh, when in the beginning of how I met your mother, it's revealed that the char- character of Robin, played by Kobe Smulders, is Aunt Robin. So I was like, yeah. oh, they 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 already crossed that one off the list. So I guess that's they're both kind of um, spoiling it in a in a way, both but just differently, I suppose. One thing I also find a little perplexing while we're on the topic is that Kim Cattrall chose to portray the future Hillary Duff as Samantha from Sex and the City. <laughs> well, yeah, I was kind of uh, half and half on that because with ha- choosing Bob Saget instead of having Josh voice you know they explained it as they wanted as a metaphor for how you change so much yeah you know? but so i can kind of see i think she's laying on a little too thick kim control but the character of sophie she's very naive and sweet so i guess this is now the version of her like seen it been there done that and that really big divide but Kim Cattrall, just everything, if you've seen her scatting, I mean, everything she does is just over the top and lays it on a little too thick. So maybe that's just the fault of the actor. Maybe. I just wonder if she got a direction, like we want it more like Samantha, because she's doing that like kind of sexy voice thing that she does when she Mm -hmm. plays Samantha, but that isn't the way she talks. So she's definitely making that choice to bring in that character kind of into this portrayal. Mm-hmm. And you wonder, like, does this really have much to do with the choices Hillary made for her character? Um, yeah, so such a departure. But... Maybe they could have talked a little more about, like, <laughs> <laughs> what the trajectory was for this character. I, while I wasn't in love with this show, it's sweet and simple enough. And I think if you were a fan of the original, you may as well give this one a shot. Yeah, it's definitely something I won't turn in, tune into every week, but I'll catch up in sitting every so often. <laughs> very, very sweet. <laughs> when you're sitting. I'm sitting. Yes, you do. So our final show that we tuned into to investigate its level of coziness was The Woman in the House Across the Street from the Girl in the Window. If you couldn't tell from that title, it's a parody of psychological thriller films, particularly ones that involve unreliable narrators and idyllic suburban settings that mask a dark reality. I want to take a look at the show because it has a lot of the elements of a program that I think we would love or that our listeners would love insofar as being kind of a mystery and it's tongue and it, at least it seemed like it'd be very tongue in cheek and silly and could really bring that kind of like kind of the, the way that the after party did, which is that murder mystery fun level of coziness that we also enjoy um, as readers of cozy mysteries. And so the series starts with Kristen Bell as Anna who drinks heavy pours of red wine to cope with the disintegration of her marriage after the loss of her daughter and also her crippling fear of rain. Since she often mixes pills with her wine, Anna is prone to hallucinations. So when she witnesses a murder across the street through her window, police don't believe her. So she takes it upon herself to uncover the truth. There's a lot to unpack here with the show. Yes, a lot. <laughs> kind of similar to your caveat of like PG-13 co- coziness with the after party. I think this is definitely kind of our level <laughs> of <laughs> what this is, actually. And I think it's arguably not cozy. So uh, before I really go into my thoughts on it, Julianne, I want to hear from you. What did you think of the woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window? Well, 
I think this is a show that might end up have getting people divorced <laughs> or breaking up <laughs> because the parody is way too subtle in some instances. Either it's w- way too overt, which is what well, you don't want a parody knocking over the head or being a dead horse, but you also want to know that it's a pad- parody. And I personally obviously did um, because I'm, I'm well versed in the genre and I've seen both movies that it's riffing on. And I came into it knowing that. And I also informed my partner that it was a parody and she knew that and we're both on board with it being a parody. But there's moments where I think that she forgot. <laughs> she like, why is that mailman always fixing that um, mailbox? Like, it's a parody! It's a parody! And it's like screaming. <laughs> <laughs> so this really could ruin your relationship, this show, if you don't stop watching it. Yeah. But you didn't um, stop watching it. I think you told me you finished it. Yes. No, I finished it because that, <laughs> that that's the, the funny part about this. And I wasn't watching it for the comedic moments or, yeah, to enjoy it as a parody. I watched it to unravel the core mystery, which I don't think was the point. I think you hit the nail on the head here, which is it's not clear what the show wants to accomplish. Yeah. The satire in the show is as dry as the wine Kristen Bell glugs throughout it. I think unless you are tuned in precisely to the same wavelength this is on, it's going to come off as simply bizarre and surreal. And mm-hmm. it did make me like wonder, like, what is the point of all this? The same thing happened to us, Jillian. We ended up binging it just to figure out what is going on. And we were more concerned about the mystery. Like, the element of the parody, the fun of playing with this psychological thriller genre, disappeared. Instead of a few really campy moments, I lost the humor, and it just started to be the thing it was portraying. For example, I'm going to share a detail from the show that I fully understand. Like, unless you're kind of into this sort of dark humor, it's going to sound... Terrible. But when it's pitched right, it it can be darkly funny. So, for example, the way that Anna, Kristen Bell's character, loses her daughter is that her husband at the time takes her to daddy-daughter day at work. The situation, though, is that he's an FBI interrogator of serial killers. So you have this moment of, like, she's going into... Um, work with her dad and and like it's like silence of the lamb she's walking down a row of (laughs) jail cells and they're all like reaching out but the music isn't portraying that as at all disturbing and then he she accompanies him on this uh interview with massacre mike and then his supervisor wants to talk to him outside and he absentmindedly leaves her in the room with massacre mike (laughs) while he goes and then the door gets locked accidentally and wouldn't you know it, Massacre Mike does what he's named after to do is he kills and eats the daughter. <laughs> and that is, I mean, that's horrific, but like, that's so absurd. And I think that is campy. And if I think if it had managed to kind of always hit that pitch of this is so crazy that um, it's making fun of the ridiculousness of that genre, right? The The dark seriousness with which that genre treats these kind of ridiculous scenarios like that revealed and that kind of underscored, mm. I think this would have been so much better. It, it seemed like, like, like you said, kind of mostly sincere at some points. Like I just felt like it kept repeating the tropes and then kind of like laughing in a satisfactory way to itself. Like, haha, we're doing something cliche, but that's not enough to create true impactful satire. Like just doing the thing that that does You're just doing it again. You're not really commenting mm. on it. You're not really bringing humor to it. You're just doing it. And so at a certain point I felt like the show just sort of, became the thing that it's making fun of 
in a very earnest way. Yeah, I think it needed to decide what it wanted to be. And like you said, it just never landed on anything. And there was a lot of commentary and articles kind of making fun of people who didn't realize it was a parody. And I don't know if that's necessarily fair. Because like I said, if you're not in tune, there's very, there are some very smart, subtle nods uh, that I, I personally enjoyed. But like I said, if you're not in that space, um, it's yeah. going to go over your head and that's what would be enjoyable because you're wondering what the heck is, what is this? <laughs> I love dry humor. I love campy stuff. And I think that there were certain moments where the series hit that stride a little bit, but overall, like by the end, I was just sort of like, yeah, when like the con artist element is revealed and I'm like trying to figure out like what their con is, there's like, there was nothing humorous about it. Like you're just watching an explanation of a con artist. Like I, I'm trying to think through that sequence. Like, is there anything about that that was like satire or or, make, or actually like playing with that genre to reveal to the audience that this is something that we're sort of exaggerating to reveal the ridiculousness of it? And I don't think it was. It was just doing it. And then by the end, it's almost as if you're having a fever dream. <laughs> the final scene was wild. Again, I guess I, we watched it all. So they did. They got what they wanted. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's bingeable. But I don't really think it was, as you said, like successful at doing what it necessarily wanted to do, or at least it makes you as the audience ask the question, what is the point of this? Yeah, it fell flat. So kind of a bummer note to end on after all of the glowing reviews. (laughs) I know we should have probably (laughs) rearranged the way we did these shows, but I did want to talk about it because I do feel like it's a little bit of a, in the new TV show landscape we're in as we're going into 2022 i think this one kind of looks like something that like we would want to watch and our viewers would want to watch and i thought we should weigh in because it's kind of a i feel like it's a little bit of a wolf in sheep's clothing yeah you would go into it maybe thinking it's gonna be super cozy not super cozy but no i mean like i think cozy in the way the after party is cozy which is like that's not like you know that's not kid gloves that's not that's that's really sly and funny and dark but it's still there's still that core of humanity and relationships that also brings in some heart there's a lovingness to the approach of the genre and i didn't feel the love with this it kind of felt like it was above its own thing they thought it was just so clever of them to even just remake it and that in of itself is funny somehow because that stuff is so stupid or something do you know what i mean like there was it kind of did never escape its own condescension of the material is how I felt. Yeah. Well, I guess that this guy gets a cozy thumbs down from. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on to cozier fair, Julian. My question for you is: Which of these shows will keep you tuning in? Most definitely Abbott Elementary. The after party. I'm dying for the next episode to come on. Can't wait. And then How I Met Your Father. That's definitely going to be a show where. You know, do my favorite thing. Maybe cleaning. Maybe oh my goodness! How can you how can you watch it and clean at the same time, Julian? What do you have? (laughs) Do you have a mirror on your on your glasses? You can like look behind you while you're sweeping, or or like or when I'm doing a craft, you know, when I'm sitting there. Okay, that maybe that's more appropriate. Or when I'm waiting for my delivery to get there, kind of thing. I wouldn't waste it on my eating time because I love to eat and watch. (laughs) (laughs) That that is an that is a very precious time for you. I get that. Yeah. Yes. So o- only Primo material gets the eating time. <laughs> what about you, Matt? What's tuning into? Same choices. I'm, I will continue watching and have continued watching Abbott Elementary and The After Party. These are shows I'm loving and highly recommend others to check them out. I 
doubt I'll tune in again to How I Met Your Father, but I didn't think it was terrible, and I would, you know, maybe maybe if I'm in the mood, I'll throw it on to give it another chance. But um, definitely Abbott Elementary and The After Party were the cozy all-stars of this beginning wave of new TV in 2022. Yeah, I had a lot of fun watching all of these new shows and it's so nice to have something to escape to, especially when you're yeah. hearing euphoria in the other room of your home and you're just like, <laughs> I, I want something nice. Yeah, this, is, this is actually great counter-programming to euphoria. Actually, El- Abbott Elementary in and of itself is like a great double feature with euphoria in terms of like, <laughs> these are both school-based uh, shows, but you know, with completely different points of view, I would even argue on like what it means to be a human being. <laughs> yeah i I loved it i had a really fun time between watching any of these new tv shows you're checking out you might want to also listen to some new music so let's check out some soothing sounds jillian what sound is soothing you this week my pick this week is lighten up and try by nashville-based artist aaron ray from the album Lighten Up, which sounds like a threat, but it's actually really cozy. It, it does kind of like sound a little bit like, smile more. Yeah, you lighten up. <laughs> uh, it was released on February 3rd. And I found her through Caroline Spence, which is, she's another lovely artist. And it's just a light, light, there you go, lighten up. It's a light, lovely <laughs> tune. Reminds me of a spring day and just... Will you lighten up and try already? <laughs> Um, there's really honestly not much to say, but I just happened to stumble across it and thought it was really beautiful. And, uh, the rest of her album also sounds just really relaxing and lovely. So here's Lighten Up and Try by Aaron Ray. She reminds me a lot of Jenny Lewis in terms of her singing style. Yeah, even like a tad, like a very pared down version of her, even her looks too. The same kind of color hair. Well, not the same color hair, but when I think in her early iterations, Erin uh, Ray, I was looking her up and she has had this lovely long red hair that was very Jenny Lewis-ish. So. To her own credit, I think this song is very sweet and has like a, a center to it that is earnest. Comparing it to Jenny Lewis's work, like Jenny often approaches things like she has very bright music with dark mm-hmm. content <laughs> and i feel like this is more of like a ray of sunshine all the way through yeah it's a perfect way to describe it a, r- a ray of sunshine yeah i i, I think this is a very sweet song and comparing it to jenny Lewis's singing voice for me is a, is a huge compliment because i think that's a really lovely way to sing and i like the way she holds a note same so what did you tune into this week my soothing sound is called quote this town and it's featuring shaky graves but the principal artist is Trixie Mattel. Yes, my soothing sound for today is by Drag Queen. For those of you who watch RuPaul's Drag Race, uh, Trixie Mattel was on that show. She won an All-Stars season. She has a hugely popular show with another drag queen named Katya. And look, okay, most tracks released by drag performers are club anthems or pop parodies, but that's not Trixie Mattel's style. She is a country girl all the way through. (laughs) And she delivers a very sincere country song in this town. It's a song about reminiscing about your hometown. In this case, for Trixie, whose real name is Brian Furcus, it's an ode to Wasaukee, Wisconsin, 
and all the complex feelings that town brings up for them. So let's take a listen to This Town featuring Shaky Graves by Trixie Mattel. With the Lord's Prayer said in the winter came in the ice and wind on the interstate Never was lost and you never knew what you'd found And it feels like ooh, 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 this town feels like ooh, ooh, this I love the chorus Yeah, the chorus is really cozy and sweet ooh, and I think what I love the most about the song is that it really captures those kind of mixed feelings, depending on how you felt growing up in a small town, especially being gay. Brian may have felt sort of held down by that town. But looking back on it, he's able to kind of reminisce and mm-hmm. mix up those feelings for nostalgia. Like it's, it's, there are some lyrics in here that are kind of like jarring insofar as they bring up kind of like traumatic stuff. But it's mixed in with kind of this idyllic look back at being a child growing up in a rural small town. And so I think it it doesn't really shy away from all of those angles which I like about it. And I really love the music video, which is actually these shots of uh, Wasaki, Wisconsin, where he grew up. And it puts you right into that town and that vibe of what the song's going for. Yeah, it has a very uh, gentle vi- vibe to it. So even like you said, it does touch on some tough sub- subjects. The song is so beautiful and... And, and sweet too that um, you feel safe going on that that journey. It's a, an ode to that small town you grew up in. That's not perfect and it's flawed, but it's your town. Yeah, it's a complicated <laughs> yeah. love letter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love also the the home video footage too. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it, there are all these like old home movies of Brian as a kid performing at school, and so it, it's a really kind of emotional tugs mm-hmm. at your heartstrings looking at these old home movies and his mom's in it too and very sweet music video yeah i agree that's a great pick let's move on to our candle review we're doing a double header today <laughs> we each have a candle from the same brand so i found this candle in anderson's bookshop in naperville illinois when i was home for the holidays and when I saw them, I knew I had to get one for myself and one for Jillian. Hmm. So here we are, lighting them up and testing them out for your listening pleasure. <laughs> so they're by Novelly Yours. They create soy-scented candles inspired by books. Their creator, Brittany Smith, has also started new fragrance collections, including Happy and Home, which is open to broader themes, and Enigmatic Aromas, which focuses on darker, moodier scents. And she makes her candles in Oswego, Illinois, which is very close to where I found them, like I said, in Naperville, Illinois. So they are a local candle um, in the Chicagoland area. And so I, I, li- I like that they came from kind of a local candle maker in the first place. And so Jillian is sniffing local indie. Um, and I am trying out the mystery thriller scent. Ooh. So Jillian, take us through your scent first. What is it like smelling that local indie? What does a local indie smell like? <laughs> well, first off, I want to thank you, Matt, for getting this for me for Christmas. It's very sweet. And to know that it comes from Illinois is very sweet as well. So I am sniffing, and it's supposed to smell like paperbacks, bookshelves, and hot cider. And let's take another whiff. I'm getting more so, and not surprisingly, the hot cider that's obviously the strongest scent. Um, yeah, I'm not, the spiciness. Yeah, the, the spices, also the apple. The apple's coming on pretty strong. But not to the point where you would throw this in the fall 
candle category where it's overwhelmingly apple. I'm not sure if it nails the paperbacks bookshelves, but it's a very delightful candle if you want a light, hot cidery scent. How's the throw on your candle? Very light, I would say. It's not not too strong. What about yours? I'm also having a very light throw. So mystery thriller, kind of like the woman in the house across from the (laughs) girl in the window. So mystery thriller has the, quote, scent of night air, smoke, and abandoned cabin, end Mm. quote. (laughs) I really actually love that note. Like, you know... (laughs) I like that they that they put that note to evoke the setting of that genre. And there is a scent to Abandoned Cabin. Like, I think you can identify a scent of, like, you know, musky wood, earthiness. Mm-hmm. And you do get that earthiness scent. It comes in really clearly. It is a clean scent. Like, it's... I actually feel like that musky night air scent is very present, much more than a... I was expecting, when I hear candles have smoke fragrance, that can often be the most dominating scent present and that is not the case with this candle i think you actually get much more of that earthy musky quality first and foremost this is a compliment genuinely i know it doesn't sound like it but it kind of smells like a basement (laughs) yeah that's a well i know i when i was younger i used to love the smell of finished basements and i was i just thought they were the most thrilling thing like if you had a finished basement you were living large so you're probably thinking of a different basement than i and than i um but yeah, I guess also that smell of uh, a, um, a garage, too. I always love the smell of a garage. So I'm wondering if it has a similar scent to that. Yeah. Now, the problem with me reviewing this candle is that right now I am congested. So I might be missing notes because of my congestion. So keep that in mind as I'm talking about it. And that might be impacting the, the reason why I'm not getting a terribly strong throw from it, which is why I asked you what your experience was. But when I get close to it, I love the scent I'm experiencing so it's kind of that situation of like i really love the scent off this candle i wish it were a little more filling the space but it could also be one of those candles that because the scent is kind of clean and open i'll experience it when i come back into the room but when you're in it because it is lighter you kind of acclimate to it and you don't necessarily pick up on it that easily so for all those complex reasons i want to give this three quarters wick up like it's almost a full wick up i just i'm, I'm a little bit wanting a more throw but i also want to like acknowledge that it could just be my congestion or it could be the situation of being in the space with the candle on for like an hour yeah it gets a half wake up for me uh just because it's it's delightful enough but it's not something i think i would run to the shelves i'm more interested in in your candle i would love to take a sniff of that Well, i guess i guess i should have given you this one and kept the indie local (laughs) i love it i love i mean i like a a hot apple cider local indie to me (laughs) You have that. You have that air. You're, 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 you are an indie bookstore connoisseur. So I felt like that kind of got your vibe more. Oh, I love the hot cider as- aspect of it. I think it's it smells lovely, but it kind of brings me back into fall, and I'm trying yeah. to. You're trying to move on. Trying to move you're trying on. To, you're trying to spring into action here. Yeah. But yes, I it was a very su- sweet gift, and I love that it comes from your home state. Made in Illinois. Woot woot. all right well that rounds out our show about the latest and greatest cozy tv shows of 2022 before we sign out today we do want to shout out some of our listeners first and foremost thank you to rosamund pilcher fan (laughs) on twitter for the sweet shout out 
they tweeted, I love this cozy podcast and retweeted our Valentine's Day episode. We love when f- listeners share the episodes so more people can enjoy them. So thank you for the kind words and also for sharing the podcast on your feed. Yeah, and Jonathan, our E on Twitter, also reshared our podcast, uh, or that episode of Valentine's Day podcast. And Jonathan wrote, if you need Valentine ideas, you won't find better than the ones from the coziest hosts around. And Jonathan's a longtime listener. We love Jonathan here at the podcast. And uh, yeah, thank you, like Matt said, for sharing our episodes. It really means a lot and puts a pep in our step when we get that notification on Twitter. Really warms our hearts. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad the Valentine's Day episode is resonating because it really was almost back-breaking labor <laughs> when it came to it trying out all those recipes and crafts. We really did like try to put our pedal to the metal in terms of like how can we really explore DIY Valentine's Day. I don't think it could be fingerprinted in the future because when I was trying to do my fortune cookies, they were so hot and I was pinching them with my fingers. And I know. And, and yeah, now you can get away with any crime. Yeah. So actually, that's kind of a plus. Anyway, that does it for this week. Uh, You can keep up with us online by checking in with our social media. Uh, We are at All Things Cozy Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. We love support via our Patreon. You can check us out at patreon.com slash allthingscozy. As always, we do love reviews from our listeners. If you have the time to write us a review, anywhere you listen to podcasts, but we do check out uh, mostly Apple Podcasts for reviews that we read on the show. Thank you all for tuning in. We will be back in your ears in a couple more weeks with more coziness. Until next time, stay Stay cozy. cozy.